0: Welcome back to Weekly Call with Jose De Haro from the New York Stock Exchange. Another strong week that lifted the major averages to new record highs. The S&P 500 rallied 3.1 percent, while the Nasdaq Composite was up 3.6 percent, outperforming as relative strength in technology offset relative weakness among biotechnology names equity indices enjoyed an upbeat start of the week rising alongside european stocks even though the results of the constitutional reform referendum in italy will lead to more political uncertainty going forward let's not forget italian citizens voted 59 versus 41 to reject a proposal that would have reformed the country's Senate. Uh, the next couple of days were quiet in terms of uh, news, but stocks uh, continue pushing higher, keeping post-election trends intact. Uh, biotechnology names uh, took a tumble on Wednesday after President-elect Donald Trump uh, said he wants to lower drug prices. However, the industry group uh, rebounded over the next uh, couple of days, uh, in the week with a modestly higher note. On Thursday, stocks uh, climbed uh, after the release of the latest policy statement from the European Central Bank. The ECB made no changes to its uh, interest rate corridor but announced that its asset purchase uh, program will be extended until December. The news of an extension overshadowed the revelation that the pace of purchases will slow to 60 billion euros from 80 billion euros started in March. ECB President Mario Draghi said that the central bank will buy assets that have a lower yield than the current deposit rate, which was met with a slight in the euro. Next week will be highlighted by the December of OMC meeting, which is expected to conclude with the first right interest rate hike since last December. Uh, the market is all but certain that a rate hike will happen next week, evidenced by the Fed Funds futures market, which showed 97.2% implied probability of a rate hike on Friday afternoon. But as the Dow Jones uh, keeps uh, skyrocketing towards the twenty thousand point mark, uh, we talked to Seth J. Masters, Chief Investment Officer, as at Bear and this is what he had to say.
1: So, so first of all, uh, you you were one of the, of the first uh, people to to open the door to the Dow Jones approaching the twenty thousand mark uh, around four years ago. Uh, what, Actually, four, you...
2: four and a half? Yeah, four and even a half now. already.
1: So even 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 farther. Um so, so why was this call so bold by, by then and, and also what has changed uh, to probably hit this mark much earlier than, than initially estimated?
2: Right. Well, the funny thing is when we first uh, made this call, I didn't actually think of it as really bold. I just thought of it as realistic and sort of sensible because we were seeing back in 2012, mm-hmm. especially early 2012. That most people were ridiculously pessimistic. Mm-hmm. They were looking at the world and terrified of the possibility that the recovery that seemed to be there mm-hmm. was just a an illusion. That really, mm-hmm. central bank um, stimulus, especially the quantitative easing programs in the U.S. and Europe and, and Japan, were effectively some kind of um, you know financial alchemy that was. Going to uh, give a temporary reprieve to the world economy, but that somehow it was all going to fall apart because underneath mm-hmm. it all, it was uh, everything was rotten to the core. And so most most of the meetings that we would have, we would end up being asked, our clients would ask, how much money should they have in gold? Mm-hmm. And to to me, that was a sign that there was a really big disconnect between what people were actually thinking and doing mm-hmm. with their money and where the opportunity was in the world. So, we, the reason that we published the piece about that 20,000 was to highlight how little you had to believe for the Dow to be able to get to 20,000 within 10 years.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And so, um, the funny thing is people did say that was bold. A lot of people thought we were crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, but as you point out, we actually are ahead of schedule, right? It looks like we're going to be getting there faster than ten years. And and why is that? Well, basically, when we made the uh, prediction, did you have a chance to read the paper?
1: Yeah, I, I read the paper and I read out actually the, the actualization that you did earlier this this year. If I'm great, if I got it uh, right on, on the on the internet.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. then you you you've seen it. The the, yeah. the the argument we made was that there were going to be. Two reasons, basically, why the Dow would hit twenty thousand. Mostly, mm-hmm. it was because companies would continue to grow their earnings over time. Mm-hmm. And even if you had a very, very modest expectation for how much earnings could grow, that would probably get you to twenty thousand. But on top of that, back in 2012, uh, most companies were really cheap because everybody mm-hmm. was so worried, and people wanted to buy gold and gold at two thousand dollars an ounce instead mm-hmm. of the stock market and because companies were so cheap probably their valuations would rise back to more normal levels so the combination of those two things we said was probably you know the most likely path to eventually getting to 20,000 well what, what happened is you know, within the first two years after we made that forecast mm-hmm. people became much less pessimistic and yeah. so earnings grew a little bit but Valuations returned to normal very quickly, Uh and that's why in in you know 2012 and 2013 and the beginning of 2014 you had um, you know very very strong you know 12 13 14 percent type returns on the S and P, which Which, meant that we then had to publish another piece in 2014. You probably saw it, that basically said, okay, the good news is we're much closer to 20,000 and we're probably going to get there ahead of schedule. The bad news is don't assume that you will continue to see 10 plus percent returns from stocks because now stocks aren't cheap anymore. So the returns going forward will be lower because you won't get that tailwind, that extra push from um, higher valuations. What you're probably going to see is mostly just a slower growth from earnings. Mm-hmm. And that's almost exactly what we've seen for the last two years, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, where do we go from here? I think that was, was that the last part of your question?
1: Yeah, but basically, as, uh, as for now, if, if, if no headwinds uh, materialize in the, in the near medium term, uh, when do you think that we will hit this, this goal? Uh, because at the end, we are, we are uh, only 5% uh, far from, from approaching the 20,000 mark, it seems.
2: Yeah. Well, look. In the month of November, I think the Dow was up almost four percent, right? Yeah. So it, we're not very far at all. But you're you're asking if there are no headwinds. I think yeah. I think that's a big if because our expectation is that we're in an environment where we're going to see more volatility, not less. Mm-hmm. And so we expect there will be some headwinds. Normally, there are some, and our our expectation is that you won't you won't get to the, 20,000 in a straight line. But mm-hmm. you know, you might. So if, look, if we have another couple of good months, that's yeah. all it would take to get to 20,000. You could get there very quickly. But and we think it's yes. more likely that you'll have a bumpy ride that will eventually get you to 20,000 and we we would say it's probably going to happen sometime in the next 2 years unless unless there's a big a big problem. If there, if there's a recession, mm-hmm. then it might take longer.
1: And and when when we're talking about some some headwinds or or risks uh, which, which are the most immediate risks that you, you are worried about when it comes to, to equities here in the U.S.?
2: Well, a couple things. First of all, the, um, you know, when you talk about the Dow, you're talking about an index that covers a number of sectors. And actually, the S&P is an even better index, which is broader and, yeah. and is more representative, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we would say is right now, inside the index... Not everything is um, is positioned the same way at all, because there are a number of. There is a very significant portion of the index, mm-hmm. which is what we would call safety stocks. They're mm-hmm. stocks whose returns are driven by their yield, by their dividends, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were extremely popular for most of the last four or five years. People were buying. But when people finally did decide to put money into the stock market back in 2012 and 2013 mm-hmm. and 14, mo- actually most people only really started putting lots of money in in 2000, late 2013 and 2014 after the big run-up, right? But when people did start to put money into the stock market, a lot of what they wanted to, to buy was stocks that felt safer to them. Yeah. And I understand that psychology, right? If you're nervous still you, after a big financial crash like we had in 2008. Mm-hmm. Stocks seem risky because they they were. And uh, and so stocks that seem less risky feel like a better bet. Now, mm-hmm. the, the kinds of stocks that are less risky are typically the ones that are more stable companies that grow slower. And because they grow slower, they don't need to keep a lot of cash to fund their own growth. So mm-hmm. they pay that back to, to their shareholders in the form of dividends. And a lot of these companies are utilities or consumer staple companies or some you know mature telecom companies mm-hmm. you know, now these there's nothing wrong with companies like that first of all and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with dividends we're big fans of companies well, of that are <laughs> companies that grow slowly should pay out a lot of dividends because mm-hmm. otherwise they you know, if they reinvest their money they're probably wasting it
1: yeah makes sense
2: but but
1: but <laughs> there's always a <laughs> there's always a but. <laughs>
2: But there's also a right price for a company that's a very slow-growing company. Whether its in, whether its return comes in the form of dividends or capital gains or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, if a company is growing more slowly, usually the market will not pay as much for that company, and that's logical, right? If you're a shareholder, what you're buying is a share of the earnings of a company. Yeah. So companies that grow more slowly should be worth a bit less. And historically, the companies that are basically these these yield-driven stable stocks historically have traded at about 8 to 10% mm-hmm. discounts to the broad market. Yeah. So if you look at their PEs, mm-hmm. they're usually roughly, you know, call it 10% less than the PE of the market as a whole. Mm-hmm. But because so many people were buying them Because they were so popular as as investments in equities Mm -hmm. and because people weren't buying the rest of the market that they felt was far too risky, Mm -hmm. what happened is the safety stocks ended up being priced at almost a 30% premium to the rest of the market. Mm -hmm. And also, incidentally, in the process, the weight of safety stocks in the market kept on going up because when something is more expensive, it Mm -hmm. is a bigger part of the index. Yeah. Right, just that's just a Mm -hmm. mechanical result. Mm -hmm. So, so when you say, you know, what what do we think about the index? It depends. Inside the index, you still have, in the last month and or so, especially Mm -hmm. since the election, as interest rates have gone up, what's happened is that's been bad for safety stocks because remember, safety stocks, people are buying them because they have income, so that means the safety stocks tend. Like bonds mm-hmm. to do less well when interest rates go up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's really, there's, this is actually an important problem for investors now because many investors have a lot of their portfolio in these safety stocks, which did do fine for a while, but mm-hmm. now they're discovering that they're not as safe as they thought because, yeah. because they were too expensive and being expensive is actually a risk. Mm -hmm. And also, from a portfolio standpoint, those safety stocks are correlated to the bonds that they own. And that's very bad, too, because it means that their portfolios are not well diversified. So I I think we're going to see a continued correction over the next year or two or three for safety stocks, which will gradually get back to their normal price relative to the market. They've already Mm -hmm. moved in that direction. They've already gone from about a you know almost a thirty percent premium to maybe an eighteen or so percent premium but that premium will continue to shrink and will probably go back to a discount mm-hmm. as that happens though that part of the market going down or staying flat will will be yep. a drag on the return of the overall market right uh-huh. the The yeah. parts of the market that will go up are the parts where there's actually more of a growth opportunity, and people were not pricing it in fully and I think there will be some of that, and, and a lot of a lot of what's happened in the last um, few weeks re- represents, if you want to think of it this way, a gamble that investors are making that they can guess what the policies of the incoming new administration will mean for the companies that might be able to grow their earnings more. So the, the sector that's done the best is banks and other financials, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is, first of all, banks generally will benefit from higher interest rates, mm-hmm. um, and secondly, banks will possibly benefit from deregulation. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know exactly What's how much the, uh, the, the the new administration will actually have policies that lead to higher interest rates, mm-hmm. but the, the, I think the, the market is expecting now that the combination of likely tax cuts... Mm-hmm plus higher spending on infrastructure and other items will lead to bigger deficits that are stimulative. So you have fiscal policy stimulus mm-hmm. instead of what we've had for the last few years is actually basically restrictive mm-hmm. fiscal policy. So that's a big change. And um, and with that, with that fiscal policy stimulus, you'll get probably both a little bit faster real growth and also mm-hmm. probably a little bit more inflation pressure.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And, and, and I, I think yep. that's a re- by the way, I think that's a reasonable guess. But mm-hmm. if you ask about what are some of the uncertainties or risks, mm-hmm. um, well, we have no idea exactly what policies will actually be enacted.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, that's because first of all, there have not been any concrete proposals put forth yet. There are lots of broad ideas, but no mm-hmm. concrete details. And secondly, even when a new administration comes into power with Congress aligned, for example, when mm-hmm. Obama first came into power, he had yeah. both the House and Senate um, you know of, of, of his democratic party yeah he still didn't get most of the things that he wanted mm-hmm. so we don't know
1: uh, we, uh-huh. and 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 when when we talk about uh, those uncertainties of of the incoming uh, administration um as a guess uh on those big ideas that uh, the Trump administration is uh, proposing, uh, do you see uh, all these proposals uh, helping uh, U.S. earnings as a whole in short no. medium term? No.
2: no. So um, the ones that might help mm-hmm. are the idea of well, the, the, the possibility of tax cuts if they're implemented properly mm-hmm. for companies obviously would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of um, tax cuts for individuals might mm-hmm. also be helpful mm-hmm. the idea of uh, some kind of incentive for repatriating cash that's currently held outside the u.s mm-hmm. that could also be helpful and the possibility of some kind of infrastructure spending program also could be helpful now most of those things would probably not start working for a while because first of all you have to pass the the new laws that authorize the, the tax mm-hmm. cuts or the spending, and then after that, it takes usually quite a long time to begin to, um, you know, get the yeah, get the money yeah, actually yeah, yeah, to work. Yeah, okay. But mm-hmm. but nonetheless, all of those, if implemented properly, really do have the potential to improve the, the growth of the economy and therefore corporate profits. Mm-hmm. However, there are some other policies that would not be so helpful. So. Um, President-elect Trump has also talked a lot about trade restrictions Mm -hmm. and if you see protectionist pressures growing, that Mm -hmm. is not good for growth and it's not good for corporate profits. Another thing that obviously has been a signature issue for for Trump is immigration restrictions Mm -hmm. and that would definitely not be good for growth and not be good for corporate profits either. Mm
1: And and uh, do you we, we've been talking about the Dow Jones, but do you guys have a, a, a an approximately target for the S and P 500 for for next year?
2: Yeah, so our our expectation is that the S and P over the next um, five years or so mm-hmm. will be compounding at something like call it five per, uh, sorry five and a half to six percent somewhere in mm-hmm. that range, and that's a um, that that's a total return that includes dividends Mm -hmm. okay so that's not a very high rate of return and the reason for that is we think that you're going to see growth that is pretty modest in the next few years call Mm -hmm. it probably something like two and a half or or three Mm -hmm. and um and dividends that are currently coming out at about you know 2.3 percent you add that up and you get a number that's maybe five and a half, maybe six. Uh-huh. And, and that, you know, that kind of return, remember, includes all of the companies in the S&P. So, mm-hmm. we think that in, in, a return, in an environment like this, where you still have safety stocks that are probably going to be underperforming and you have some other sectors that have, we think, more attractive characteristics, like more growth mm-hmm. and better quality. And, and higher profitability. Th- those are those are very attractive attributes. Interestingly, mm-hmm. those are often relatively attractively priced in the market today because people weren't willing to pay for that. Mm-hmm. We think we think that the way to get good returns is to be very selective and not necessarily buy the S and P broad market, but mm-hmm. be more of an active manager and identify those parts of the market that have been. Um, under, undervalued in the last few years, and which are mm-hmm. still unusually attractive.
1: And which which uh, kind of sectors are we talking about here?
2: Well, it's actually right now. If you look at our portfolios, it's really not a, a heavy sector orientation. Mm-hmm. It's really stock by stock. Okay. And that's that's actually true in the bond market too. We think there are some individual bonds that are very, you know, better investments than the bond index overall. Um, we, we think that you know this will be a, the next few years will be a pretty good time for active managers unlike mm-hmm. the last few years which have been a hard uh, pretty challenging time for most active managers
1: mm-hmm. and and then uh, just a, a last question uh, also um, as as you know uh, we 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 publish our print edition back in, in Europe in, in Spain and i'm i'm wondering uh, after all these uh, projections for for the US equities for the S&P 500 um how do you see the European market versus the the u s market uh, with uh, so many risks uh, coming from the political side uh, with uh, this Sunday with the referendum in Italy then next year we're going to have uh, elections in in France and Germany uh, are are European uh, equities still attractive which sectors could be more attractive than 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 others
2: right, so I, th- I think you're raising a really important point, which is first of all there is there is going to be a lot more volatility over the next few years, not just mm-hmm. in 2017, than we've seen for a while, and mm-hmm. that's because there are a lot of structural problems that um, are not resolved and won't be resolved anytime soon. The, mm-hmm. the elections, in my mind, are a symptom of these structural problems. Right, mm-hmm. lots, lots of people feel very unsettled and they want change because they they aren't. Happy with the status quo, they may not be happy with the with the change either, mm-hmm. and and so we will see a lot of um, we will we will not just from elections but from, from for other reasons as well, which we could talk about if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that there'll be surprises, both both good and bad, but that will cause markets to be more volatile and and choppy, and mm-hmm. uh, and. That's true in, in Europe, as well as in the U.S. Uh-huh. We think that in that kind of environment, there will be opportunities. But again, you have to be very selective when you make your investments. So you know, right now, you know, facing the uncertainty about the you know the the Italian election, mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to load up on a huge exposure to any one thing. You certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to buy a lot of Italian banks. Mm-hmm. Unless you were very sure that you knew that there was going to be a yes vote, um, yeah. and, uh, and and we don't know that, you know. By uh-huh. the way, our our research suggests it'll probably be a no vote. What we don't know is what are the consequences of a no vote, and 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 I don't think anybody else knows that yet either. So, um, so what we're trying to do in Europe is we we are trying to find those places where we can identify companies that are actually. Strong companies with a good business, mm-hmm. a, um, a a solid balance sheet, and where they're where they're generally not necessarily going to be as sensitive to the risks in their domestic economy, where their business model actually gives them more um, insulation from mm-hmm. the short-term uncertainty that they may have in their home market, and sometimes you can find companies like that that are. Pretty cheap because people are worried and don't realize that that, that you know, although many companies are going to be um, affected by local market conditions, mm-hmm. some some are less than others. And look, that this is true in Japan too, right? There are mm-hmm. lots of uncertainties there, but there are some excellent companies that have global businesses that will be able to do just fine, even if uh, the uh, the Japanese market is. Uh, is weak and um, mm-hmm. and so that that's a uh, I think that that's that's an important idea and, and maybe one other thing to point out is yeah when when we talk about Dow twenty thousand mm-hmm. a lot of people just think about it as okay it's like the odometer in your car if you yeah. keep on driving at some some point it hits twenty thousand mm-hmm. well markets are not like that mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly when the Dow will hit twenty thousand but I, I I do have a Strong feeling about some, another aspect of the 20,000 story, which is I think that we'll see Dow 20,000 a number of times.
1: Uh-huh. Sometimes
2: on the way up and sometimes on the way down.
1: Okay. That because
2: because if, if we're right and we're going to see lower stock market returns mm-hmm. with, more, with more volatility, then probably you're going to see the market wiggle up and down through the 20,000 level for a while. Mm-hmm. So the real question maybe shouldn't be when will the market first hit twenty thousand. It'll be how many times will it go through the twenty thousand level before it finally breaks above it. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But I think that's what will.
0: You'll find that in the next few years, that's the important question. Over the next uh, week, uh, the December 14 announcement by the Federal Open Market Committee will be of particular interest, not only for what it says about uh, any change in interest rates with an expected increase of 25 basis points, as we said before, but also for its signals about the path ahead. And as usual, we will keep you posted on everything uh, Fed Chair Janet Jalen says in that press conference afterwards here at Weekly Co. with Jose de Harro remember that you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud and weekly co with us at also you can follow us on Twitter at uh, El Economista ny uh, thanks uh, again for listening to us and have an amazing week